Hello, beautiful creative human. You're listening to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso, and I have a very special episode for you today. It is the Unleash Christmas Spectacular, and my guests are my parents. <laughs> and you're going to be diving right into it right now. You're going to hear the behind the scenes of me trying to wrangle them, to get them to the mic, to tell their fabulous Christmas stories. So we're going to dive right in, but I wanted you to know what you're about to hear and tell you to enjoy every minute. There are lots of laughs, lots of heartfelt moments, lots of just everything in between. Uh, it was really, really fun, and I hope it brings you a little joy during a time that I know is tough for a lot of us. So love you. My heart's with you. And check out this episode. start recording now because it's kind of funny what i just want to capture me trying to wrangle you two <laughs> i've dealt with a lot of select wow really getting in for that throat clear <laughs> i've dealt with a lot of celebrities in my day but no one has ever given me more trouble than my parents <laughs> what do you have to say about that mom i have to agree with you <laughs> <laughs> i have to completely so I'm demanding. Not a lie. Tell me the truth. You come in like this. Oh, my mom isn't a fan of my dad's scent. <laughs> what, what kind of cologne is that? No offense. It's Dove Bar soap. <laughs> oh, she hates it. She complains about that all the time. It's full of chemicals, you know. Why? Why do you have to use Dove? So Why? I bought a clothespin on your nose while we're having this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do some vocal warm-ups yes. with me, okay? you gotta be, you got to be at an angle like this. One. One, two, three, four, five. Red leather, purple leather, lavender leather. 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 Okay. If you haven't stopped listening yet, that was inside the actor's studio. Absolutely. Okay. Ready? Hello and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. My name's Lauren LaGrasso and this show is meant to help you make creativity the filter for your life, redefine your relationship with fear, and step more fully into the essence of who you are. And today I have two humans who have really helped me step into the essence of who I am. They are spectacular people. They are divas, I will say, and they are my parents, Mike and Joanne LaGrasso. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Unleash Your Inner Creative Christmas Spectacular. So happy to be here. It is so much fun to be with you, Lauren. <laughs> Mom, you can't clear your throat while dad's talking. That's bad That's bad form. <laughs> and you got to lean into the mic more. Okay. Is like, that better? Get right in front of it. Yeah. Talk now. Like that? <laughs> Yeah, like that. Okay, okay, so today we're going to talk about some of our favorite creative Christmas memories, both from your childhood and from mine. We're going to go into how we found out Santa wasn't real, or is he, for any children listening. My mom's going to give a summary of her favorite Christmas movie, because she has a very funny way of remembering things and telling the story of how things happened. And then we're going to talk about how to find joy during this Christmas time and even end with a Christmas carol. You can't go shaking your little protein drink in front of the microphone. Sorry. I hate to hate to break it to I'm you. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> sorry, I'm giving... <laughs> Fuck you, stop clearing your throat. Drink more water. <clears throat> you are so challenging. You feel good? I think so. Do you think you can do this without clearing your throat 50 times? I don't know. You're making my job impossible. <laughs> Honestly, Mike, you have to use a different soap. That's really... Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. It's just... It's unpleasant. <laughs> Poor dad. But, you know, you could use, you know, any kind of soap. That dove. I think we'll do these podcasts from different rooms from now on. I don't think that this part will air. I think we need more socially distancing. Okay, so we're going to go into our favorite childhood Christmas memories, a Christmas memory from your childhood. Do you have any particularly creative Christmas memories or anything you did as a kid that just tickles you when you think back on Christmas? 
we really celebrated Christmas as a family on Christmas Eve. That was the big family get together. My uh, my parents always put out a very nice spread. That like was... what what was involved in the spread? Did you do the feast of the seven fishes? No, we did pasta, very traditional Italian. Well, the feast of the seven fishes is the most traditional Italian thing to do. We did, but unfortunately, assimilation has stripped us of many of our cultural habits. <laughs> I think we just uh, did pasta and usually a turkey and a ham. Just very, I'll call it American traditional. Mm-hmm. So, Mom, I actually do remember doing Feast of the Seven Fishes. We did it last year, but I remember we did do Feast of the Seven Fishes with Grandma and Grandpa Roboto, which is your parents, when I was little. We did that, right? Yes, yes. We always did that. And yeah. that that's a, a traditional Italian Christmas Eve thing where you have seven different dishes with seven different fishes. Yes. So, yeah, that is a cool Italian tradition that we had. And we started it again last year. We should actually do it this year. We should start planning for it now. But we would do that Christmas Eve there, and then we would then the next day still have Christmas. We did a two-for-one special. It was actually two-for-two. Two. <laughs> and, Mom, how about you? I always remember waking up and smelling the fresh. We always had, you know, brand new Christmas tree. I remember smelling the fresh pine scents from the tree. And that was, you know, part of my Christmas memories. We didn't always have a lot of money, but, you know, there was always a lot of love and a lot of gifts on Christmas. <laughs> what was your favorite gift you ever got? Well, I I had a... um I had a Betsy Wetsy doll that I loved. And explain what that is. <laughs> Betsy Wetsy was a little baby doll that you could feed and that would also wet. <laughs> <laughs> what is the fascination with that? Because I had a doll like that when I was little too. And I remember thinking it was the coolest thing ever. Like, why do you think little girls and boys are interested in dolls that pee and shit? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, maybe because it's so much like a a real baby. Closest thing you can get. Closest thing you can get, yeah. Talk about creativity. <laughs> and yeah, so, and then Christmas Day, when I was growing up, we always had all of not only our obviously immediate family, but we had, you know, our grandparents over. We had both sides of the family over, my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family. There was, you know, probably, I don't know, 50 to 70 people there. Holy yeah. crap. My mom and dad cooked for everyone all the time. We had ham. We had pasta. We had... What uh, was creative about it? Well, it was creative the way we fit everyone into our small house. <laughs> Tetris of humans, honey. Yes. We loved it. Yeah. We had. We didn't have a very large house, but we had a um, beautiful finished off basement. And there was people everywhere in the house. There were people upstairs, people in downstairs, people in the kitchen, and we always had enough room for everyone. It was you know, pretty spectacular. Love that for you. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the main attraction. What is your favorite creative Christmas memory from my childhood? I know mine. Can I say it? Okay, when I was in first grade, I became deeply obsessed with I Dream a Genie. I didn't understand also that this was a show from, what is it, the 60s or 70s? I thought it was a show that was happening in real time. So I was obsessed with Major Nelson, who at that time I think was in his 60s already. But I kept being like, I'm going to marry him when I get older. And my parents were like, I really don't think that's true. <laughs> um, he was one of the main characters on the show. And he was played by Larry Hagman. So that's neither here nor there. When I was in first grade, I really, really wanted an I Dream a Genie Barbie. Now, they have, since this obsession of mine grew, created all kinds of I Dream a Genie costumes and dolls and everything you can imagine. But at that time, there was nothing on the market. And I went to my mom and earnestly said, from Santa this year, I would like an I Dream a Genie Barbie. And she goes, well, honey, I, you know, I don't know if Santa can make that. And I remember going to her, mom please. He's Santa. He can make anything. He has magical elves that help him create things. I think he can handle an I Dream a Genie Barbie. Little did I know that Santa was her and she was freaking out because she's not a seamstress and she doesn't know how she's going to create this I Dream a Genie Barbie from scratch. Neither is she a doll maker. But lo and behold, Christmas morning when I was six, what was underneath the tree? but a custom-made I Dream of Jeannie Barbie that she had fashioned out of, the, I think it was like the Jasmine Dolls costume yes. that she put on a little blonde Barbie. And 
it was the most creative, most loving, amazing gift I think I've ever gotten to this day. It was so sweet because you went out of your way to make this thing when that really like, it wasn't your thing to, to create clothes for anyone, let alone a doll, but you figured out how to take that really like little Christmas dream I had and make it come true. And the next year they had I Dream of Jeannie Barbies on the market. So I felt like an innovator. You were certainly an innovator and the spirit of Santa Claus was too. I think that was probably my most, one of my most favorite memories of you growing up for Christmas. I had so much fun doing that. I first, when you asked me that, I thought there's, how can I possibly recreate this? But then I started looking up pictures of I Dream of Jeannie, saw the Jasmine doll And I remember sewing on Christmas Eve, and I don't think I finished until maybe about 2 or 3 in the morning. And um, it actually, I have to say, it did turn out pretty well, especially for myself, who is not very – I am creative, but I really even amazed myself that (laughs) I could do that. But, yeah, that that was – just to see the look on your precious, beautiful little face when you opened that gift and – because I knew you were going to – I knew you were expecting it. So I knew no matter what, I had to get you an I Dream of a Genie doll. (laughs) So I did everything I could to make it as – I dream of genie like as as I could possibly make it. Yeah, I remember looking at it and being like, this is a little different than I thought it would be, but it still works. It still fits the bill. I mean, her pants are green. They're usually pink, but hey, like she did have a sister that had green pants. So I can see why Santa thought this. But the coolest thing was, you know, and we'll get to this because I want to talk about how we all discovered Santa Claus wasn't real. But the coolest thing was once I realized that and I realized you took the time to make that, it made it even more special. Oh, that's so sweet. I I chose to look over the fact that you lied to me for the first several (laughs) years of my life about a mystical creature, but we can get to that later. What, Dad, do you have any, like, favorite memories from my childhood Christmases? I have to say that, first of all, you really, really loved Christmas. And I think Mom, I'll give Mom all the credit because she actually was the one that made your Christmases so special. I probably was not as big a contributor toward that as I should have been. I was responsible, and I did an okay job of capturing some of those memories. Uh, with you were the local videographer, cinematographer. But I have to give Mom all the credit as far as uh, the, the gift get purchasing and getting everything assembled so that you could have a very magical uh, Christmas morning, particularly with all those gifts that Santa left you that he uh, dropped on his way down the chimney. I always thought that was fun. And Mom really- <laughs> oh, this is so creative. Oh, great, great memory, Dad. So one thing my mom used to do that was so much fun when I was little is we have, so our chimney system goes down into the basement. Like we have also a fireplace in the basement of our house. And so she would put presents in the chimney, like in the downstairs basement. And she'd be like, oh my gosh, Santa dropped this one. He forgot to put it under the tree. Or I think even sometimes you'd maybe put one outside. Oh my God, he dropped it outside. It was just so much fun. Like it made it so magical that there were some other presents scattered around that I might not have seen. And it really upped the illusion of Santa Claus and made it that much more magical. How did you think of doing that? That was brilliant. I don't know how I thought about doing that, but I just remembered I always wanted to make it so special for you because you were so excited Christmas morning, and I just loved it. It was pure joy to watch you open your gifts. You were so grateful and so thankful and so, you know, um, expressive in everything when you opened up your gifts, and you loved it so much. So I, I think all of a sudden... I said, well, you know, I want to make it more special even after you finish opening your gifts. I don't want it to be a letdown because there's no, there aren't any more gifts to open. So I thought I have to, you know, create something else. So then I thought of leaving gifts outside or leaving gifts, you know, like Santa left a path of gifts, you know, maybe underneath the table or, you know, after, as he had a cookie, he left a few crumbs and he left a gift because he kept dropping things out of his bag. And (laughs) it's such a cute idea. And then, okay, tell me like, the inspiration when you would write me the letter from the perspective of Santa Claus? Like, how would you approach the letter? And how did you approach the fake eating of the cookies and the carrots that I'd leave for the reindeer? I think I ate The cookies I left for Santa Claus and the carrots I left for the reindeer. (laughs) I think Dad and I ate some of them. And I don't know if we just... What did we do with the rest of them, Mike? What did we do? I think we left them as leftovers so that uh, we can show that Santa enjoyed all the things that we left out for him. Yeah. And I wasn't exactly that curious about your actual method of how you ate them. <laughs> I was more like curious, like how you went about 
writing the letter? Like, what did you, how did you decide what to include, what you thought Santa Claus would say? Like, what was Santa's personality from your perspective? Well, Santa's <laughs> personality was basically he wanted to see, Santa wanted to see the good in everyone and he wanted everyone to see the good in other people. And so I, I basically wanted Santa to tell you that you were an amazing, incredible, beautiful child who was capable of doing great things and could do anything that she wanted to do. And the world was basically your oyster. And I wanted Santa to be able to bring that out. I wanted the Santa and the spirit of Santa to be able to bring that out in the letter to you. So sweet. Dad, what are your thoughts? Well, I think they were very strong affirmations of how many wonderful attributes that you have. Even as a small child, we always wanted Santa to recognize uh, what an amazing young lady you were from the time you were born to the time today. And even now, Mom uh, wraps a few gifts from the spirit of Santa. And we're going to get into how the spirit of Santa manifested from Santa after I found out the truth. But uh, before we get to that, I do want to tell you, when I was little, I would pray to Santa Claus because I couldn't understand that he was different from God. (laughs) So I would like pray. I'd be like, dear Lord Jesus, Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, all the good angels and saints, like they were all in my spiritual crew. I didn't understand (laughs) that Santa wasn't like aligned with Jesus. I thought Santa and Jesus were like in it together to help me and to help all of us in the world. Did you ever have that thought or did you know that I thought that way when I was little? (laughs) No, I didn't know that you (laughs) assimilated Santa with God. So that's that's interesting. (laughs) But I can understand how that could possibly be. Yeah. I definitely understand that. And I think it's so cute and so precious and so beautiful. I think Santa was held at very high esteem because Santa did so many wonderful things for you and and for others, others, of course. And I think, again, that letter that you got from Santa always reaffirmed that he was looking out for your higher self and your higher being and always affirmed the wonderful attributes that you had. Yes. Santa was particularly generous at my house. I was very privileged when it came to Christmas. (laughs) I have a question. Did you ever get annoyed that Santa was getting all the credit for your hard work, Dad? I always felt it was very hard to compete with Santa. (laughs) I I think uh, there was always, in my heart, a little, you know, I I was always checking to see if you were disappointed in what we got you versus what Santa got you to sort of evaluate the difference. Well, this is an interesting thing because, you know... I always wondered, like, why did you get me things in addition to Santa? Is that how most families do it? Boy, that's a good question. I I think that... You'd, like, split the gifts so Santa got me some and you got me some. Like, it would be on the label. It'd be, like, to Lauren love Santa or to Lauren love mom and dad. Yes. I don't know. I'm trying to think when I grew up if grandma and grandpa would do the same thing. I think that most of our gifts were from Santa growing up and then there was maybe just a few things from grandma and grandpa Mm. for us when when I was growing up. But How about you, dad? At your house, did you get gifts from Santa and your parents? Yeah, I got gifts from both. The gifts from Santa were usually the very, very special gifts of what I really was hoping for and had on my wish list. And then the gifts from mom and dad were nice things, but not as uh, special. Right. So, okay, let's talk about how we discovered Santa was not real. The somber day. (laughs) I have a confession. What? What? I knew Santa wasn't real for almost a year before I told you I knew Santa wasn't real. Did you tell me this? Have you told us this before? I don't think I've told you exactly what happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we were in the car. We had gone to, I think, Toys R Us or something, or dad had gone to Toys R Us, and you guys left like some things in the back seat. One thing I'd asked for from Santa, this was when I was in fourth grade. So I believe for quite a long time, I had asked for Santa to give me, hopefully for Christmas, a Baskin Robbins ice cream maker. And I looked in the back seat and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, yes, okay. Well, Santa didn't get it for me, but my parents did. And come Christmas morning, it was wrapped under the tree to Lauren, love Santa. Oh, no. So I knew in that moment Santa wasn't real, 
but I held the information until Christmas the next year <laughs> to let you know that Sa- I knew Santa wasn't real. And I think, if I recall correctly, you were really upset when I found out. Like, I, I feel like you cried or something, Mom. Is that true? I'm trying to remember, but I think I did cry you a little. You teared up at least. I think, yeah. I think I was did. Was it because you felt like my childhood was coming to a close? Well, I felt like, oh, she's growing up. You know, she's, I don't know. It is it is a sort of a landmark thing when you find out that Santa isn't really who you think he is. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that but is, he's your parents. Yeah. <laughs> it is disappointing. <laughs> disappointing to find that out that Santa There's no Claus... magic in the, in the world and that your parents have been lying to you for yeah. 10 years. It is sort of a tra- very traumatic thing, actually. I didn't so. think of it as you guys lying to me. I, I, you know, I do hear a lot of people say that, and I think it's funny to say. But I didn't think of it. I thought, oh, how sweet that my parents, like, tried so hard to allow me to believe magic was real. For as long as they possibly could. I thought that was so nice. That's such a beautiful way to look at it, that your parents wanted you to believe magic is real, because that's basically what it is. And I think, you know, the reason I did cry a little when you told me was just because I, I it was a certain sense of sadness, because you want, you always want everything to be perfect for, you know, your child and you want... You want magic. You yes. want them to have a sense of wonder. And I mean, I think believing in that magic is a pure in an innocent place. And once you realize that magic isn't as real as you thought, like you can never go back there. Absolutely true. Yeah. Exactly what I was But you say. can still remember what that felt like and try to channel it. I mean, I think that the hardest thing about transitioning to Christmas as an adult is that, first of all, there isn't as much time to enjoy the season because we have so many responsibilities leading right up until Christmas. But second of all, that you don't have that sense of magic you did as a kid because – you know, you do lose some of that as life goes on. But I think I think that the important thing for us to remember as adults is we're still that little kid and we can still harness that excitement and that joy and that magical memory and that magical essence no matter what our circumstances are. Like we can still engage with that joy and that magic of Christmas, whether there's presents, whether we're with somebody else, no matter what, we can still engage with that magic and that inner child, that experience the joy and the magic of Santa Claus. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So how did you two find out that Santa wasn't real? And what, what are your memories of the experience? What age were you at? I, I don't think I've ever heard these stories. Honestly, I don't exactly remember what age I was at when I found out that Santa wasn't real. It's all sort of a blur. I think that I, I, I feel like I like gradually found out and I think it was through friends, friends of mine. Who's- how did you gradually find out? <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe if I, I, you, you know, didn't I, believe it at first. Is yes, that why? Okay. Yes. I didn't believe it at first. I thought, oh, they're just being silly. That's not really true. And I think it was basically through friends of mine that would say, Joanne, Santa isn't really <gasps> real. I know. People were so rude about it yes. too. And I would be like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so I don't know if it was, I, I, I can't remember honestly if who exactly it was that started saying that to me and I don't remember the war on Santa Claus the what the war on Santa Claus Claus, yes that you incurred yeah it could have been also because I was very close to my cousins so it might have been some of my friends and some of my cousins started talking about that and then gradually I finally faced the truth the facts what did it feel like it was I have to say it was a bit of a letdown it was yeah it was disappointing you know but hey you Did know? you tell your parents? Because you had you had four siblings too, so you had to keep the charade up for many years after that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember if I told my parents or not. I think I obviously must have told them, or they obviously knew that I knew somehow. Did your presence change after that? No, I think. I mean, obviously, as you get older, you know, and into your teens and stuff, the presence changed. But I think my, my mom and dad still gave me things from Santa Claus. Right. And, and things from them also. And I think that was probably like a different experience for you too, because you had younger siblings. So you had to, I guess your parents would have had to keep giving you the same amount of presents from Santa or else the other kids would have been like, why doesn't Joanne get presents from Santa anymore? Yes. So that makes sense. That's interesting. My experience as an only child never made me think about that before. Dadders? So I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm the youngest child, and my brothers are nine and six years older than me. And what happened was, it seemed like when I was seven, maybe seven and seven and a half, the question started coming, do you still believe in Santa Claus? Aww. And I was wondering why people would ask something on 
something that I really believed in. I I wanted to believe in Santa Claus, and uh, so my answer was yes. But the more those questions got asked of me, and again, it came from adults usually, you know, it started creating some doubt. And I think by about the time I was eight years old, I didn't really believe in it anymore, but I wanted to cling to that as long as I could. But eventually I did tell my folks that I didn't believe in Santa Claus and the gifts from Santa stopped. Oh, no. Shit. You should have kept lying. So I I think that was one of the reasons I wanted to string it out a little longer. (laughs) But the gifts were still nice. They just uh, didn't have the Santa Claus trademark anymore. (laughs) Oh, no. That's sad. (laughs) It is sad, but uh, it was nice to see how you reacted to Santa Claus, and that sort of brought the joy back. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that would be the fun part about having kids is you get to relive the joy of Christmas through them. So, so true. So, Mom, you you now sign things from the spirit of Santa Claus. Tell me how you thought of that and why you started doing it and why you keep doing it. Wow, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Let's see. Um, (laughs) Well, I started – I guess I don't want to – I didn't want to ever let go of Santa Claus for you. (laughs) So – in order to not let go of Santa Claus, I had to, you know, even though Santa is actually a magical creature, creature, I I had to think of something else. So I don't know, just the spirit of Santa came into mind. So I always want you to have, you know, you always want to have something magical in your life and especially at Christmas time. So the spirit of Santa is, I think, something that can be thought of in a magical way. And so I try to always incorporate the spirit of Santa in some of your gifts. Yeah. And what is this? So the spirit of Santa to you is just like the idea of Santa Claus, the idea of the magic of Christmas. And it's kind of like, how do you picture it? How do you think of it? I think of the spirit of Santa as how Santa Claus would think and what he would say and what he would do and the kind of gifts that he would, he or she Thank you. He or she. I was just thinking that. I said, why the hell is Santa a man? Yes. He or she would would give. And so the spirit spirit of Santa is eternal. The spirit of Santa, he or she, always exists and will always exist. And so therefore should be acknowledged and respected. (laughs) (laughs) I think the spirit of Santa should inspire you to feel joyful. And I think that's, again, something that we should have in us uh, 365, but particularly around the holidays at Christmas. Yeah. You know, I kind of thought you'd give up on the spirit of Santa at some point, but here I am 31 and you're still signing things from the spirit of Santa and I love it. I remember thinking maybe like when I was in college, like maybe she'll stop signing things, the spirit of Santa, but you've kept to it and and I'm glad you do. And you did. I think it's important and it's an important part of our tradition. Yes, it is, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I want to go on to... The movie summary. I had this idea for a show that I still want to do where my mom would come on and explain movies that she saw that she really liked because sometimes she like really does it in an animated way or kind of screws up the plot and it's really funny. But mom, I want you to tell us what is your favorite Christmas movie and then give us the plot of it and explain why it's your favorite Christmas movie. I have to say that I think it would be Home Alone. So basically you have a story (laughs) about – a very sort of dysfunctional family who all love each other a lot. And they decide to go on a Christmas trip together. And there's the usual fighting between siblings and and the back and forth between close family members, cousins and things like that. And always, you know, making fun of the youngest one. And that happened to be, let's see, it was Kevin. Yeah. So Kevin is, he's very annoyed and disgusted with, and, and sort of done with, everyone who's making fun of him and, and he, his family and his family. He, they went to a Christmas concert the night before they were leaving for this big trip for, <laughs> where did they go to France? France. Yes. They France. went to France. They went to France. And with, well, so it was Kevin's family who went to France with, okay. So no, it, excuse me. <laughs> let me start over. It was Kevin's dad's, Kevin's uncle, Kevin's dad. And, you know, wait a minute. It was Kevin's whole family, which included his mom and his dad and his sister and his brother and Kevin. And then it was the um, his dad's brother, so Kevin's uncle and his aunt and his cousins that accompanied them. And so the night before they had a Christmas concert, 
Kevin was in it. He did something. I can't remember exactly what he did, but it wasn't good. And it caused the entire – he was in a choir on stage. It caused the whole stage to – I think the stage collapsed or somebody fell. Or Yes, the stage collapsed. I think that's what happened. Okay. And then every it was all his fault. So everyone was very upset with him. And he was – they were all – annoyed and making fun and he just said I don't care if I ever see any of you ever again and so his mother said to him well you just might get your wish and she said I might you know I want to put you so he had to stay because he misbehaved they sort of put him in a timeout which was now that I think of it sort of mean actually the whole movie is terrible so if you mean. actually so think mean. about it <laughs> yeah, it really is not very nice. It's you know the golden rule: treat others the way you want to be treated. They did not show that in any way, shape, or form, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't know why this. Maybe this shouldn't be my favorite Christmas movie. Maybe I should talk about. No, you got to keep going. Now okay. you committed. To but it. anyway, so Kevin, they put Kevin in this room by himself upstairs, like in the attic or something, and. They were they woke up late because they had a super early flight. The guy came to pick him up, and they said, "Okay, is everybody here?" Make a long story short, they didn't count right, and Kevin was left up in the attic. And all of a sudden, he woke up maybe a few hours later, and he said, "Mom, Dad, anyone?" And then I think his his uh, brother's tarantula was in the other room or something. He was saw that. <laughs> And then wasn't there a turtle? Maybe was there a turtle, or am I just imagining that? Everybody remembers the magical turtle from Home Alone. The Home Alone turtle goes down in history as one of the all-time great characters. I don't remember. I don't know. I, I don't remember honestly. I and no, I, no. Tell me more about the turtle. I, I, okay. So anyway. They're on the plane, Kevin's mom and dad, and I, this is sort of mean too. The parents were in first class, and the kids were in coach. I didn't like that. Yeah, I, I think. Well, yeah. you're a very, very like children's rights kind of person. A I lot really of people am. think that kids should just not be seen or heard. Yeah. But you're a kind of person that looks at children as people. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Well, I mean, I have always been upset that people don't give children enough credit and they don't take them seriously and they sometimes diminish or don't acknowledge yeah, what their feelings or that they're people like exactly. they're little people so they're still yes. developing so anyway they have to treat the children should be treated equally they should be in first class <laughs> yes they definitely should have had the kids in first class I'm that's always bothered or me. they should have sat in coach they should have sat in coach or they should have had the kids in first class with them yeah. that was just so wrong on a, on a cross-country flight you want the, the kids to get abducted okay let's move on yeah so anyway <laughs> the mother kept saying I feel like I'm forgetting something. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Yeah, you you know, she forgot her youngest child. And so they didn't realize it until I think towards the uh, – no, when they got off the plane, I think when they were picking up their luggage, I don't think they even realized it till after that. I haven't watched this movie in several right. years. But they realized it after they picked up their luggage. They're like, well, Kevin's not here. Well, okay, good. Now we've – now they're go to I don't even know where they went. Did they go to the French police station? I can't remember. They went to a police station and reported <laughs> it. They tried to call home. There was no answer. The police went and checked and said, "Oh, everything looks fine here." Meanwhile, there's these two burglars. Um, Joe what are Pesh they called? Burglars. And what are they known as? Let's see. They know. No, as, no, don't give her. Don't tell her. They're known as the. I'm doing sign language for her right now. <laughs> the Joe Pesci and this other guy. They're the robbers. <laughs> the wet the rainmen. <laughs> the wet they're the wet bandits. <laughs> My dad wrote it on a piece of paper. She was never gonna get it. I forgot about that. I forgot, yes. Oh wow. That was I it mean sounds I, like it's a really important movie to you. <laughs> yeah. It's not Between that the turtle and the wet bandits. <laughs> Okay. Uh, keep in mind that it's early when we're recording this. Yeah, it's haven't... super early. It's one fifty nine p.m. <laughs> I haven't even had breakfast yet. I'm I'm sort of sipping on a clean protein shake, an organ protein shake. Oh, you're so tortured. <laughs> I know, it's very okay. It's let's finish the summary. Very traumatic. Okay. So anyway, so these two guys, Joe Pesci and the other guy, yeah, they were called the Wet Bandits. They actually appeared at the house the night before. Because they pretended like they were – oh, they pretended like they were security guards for the neighborhood. And so they sort of saw the house and the lookout and they found out that they were leaving the next day. So, of course, they targeted that house. 
And their whole thing was that every time they left a house that they robbed, they would leave um, they leave the water running. Yeah. They would leave the water running so the house would be flooded. So not only did they steal everything, but they totally destroyed the house, which was really insult pretty, to injury. Pretty, it was pretty awful now that I think about it. Um, it was a really bad movie. Let's see. <laughs> from being your favorite to a really bad I'm, movie. As I'm talking about it, I realize Well, how, none of us realize the, how destructive the plot was. Like, he's literally home alone. And he's a child. And he went to the grocery store. And he fought off the wet bandits. He, it was pretty Okay, amazing. so let's, let's keep going. Okay, so basically, they couldn't reach him. There was no flights to be had to go home. So... Basically, the mom decided to go on standby to get home. The rest of the people, the rest, the dad and the rest of the family booked a flight. She gets to a certain city. I don't remember, somewhere in Pennsylvania or something. No, I don't know. She was somewhere in the country. And then she got on a truck with John Candy. John, John Candy and she bonded with them. They sang and they, you know, reminisced together. Meanwhile, at home, Kevin was like, well, I guess my family really did leave me. And so I got to sort of do things myself. So he went to the store. He did all these things. Meanwhile, these wet bandits were terrorizing him and he realized that they were. So he was ingenious in how he invented all these different props to try to scare them away. And then, of course, we all know what happens. You know, eventually he tarred them, feathered them, uh, made them <laughs> fall down the stairs, dropped things on them, so captured violent. them. Oh, and he made friends with this. Little, oh, it was so sad. It's so cute. And that's this is a beautiful part. That little old man next door that didn't he met him in church. Oh, I remember he met him in church and the man was telling him the story of how he didn't see his granddaughter. And then on Christmas Day, it gives me goosebumps still. That, and it's, it was so beautiful that he made up with his son and he saw his yeah. granddaughter. That but was he was so at beautiful. first, Kevin was afraid of the old man. That's right. And then they met in church and they finally talked and he realized he was a nice guy. And the old man actually saved Kevin. I don't know if you remember that key plot point. Oh, it, it wasn't the turtle. A lot right. of people do think the turtle was the one that saved Kevin. But it was actually, <laughs> it was the old man. Uh, that is a common misconception. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah, I guess I need to rewatch the movie. But... He hit him with a snow shovel made out of turtle shells. <laughs> that is true, Dad. Thank you for bringing that up. Anyway, I'm sorry. I guess my rendition was okay. A and then, off. how did it end, Mom? Oh, a beautiful, happy ending. The mom <laughs> got there when driving on the truck. She got there the same, like within. Okay, so let me just re rephrase that. Let's see. <laughs> Kevin put up the Christmas tree. He had a little Christmas himself, and then all of a sudden. You know, he's like, I just have to celebrate Christmas myself. His mom ended up coming a few minutes later. Chris, was it Christmas morning? Christmas morning. His mom ended up showing up and he was all excited. And then minutes later, the rest of the family had just got in from the airport and it was all the hustle, bustle and craziness. And it had a beautiful, happy ending. It gives me goosebumps just to think uh, about it. So in the end, it was a good movie. In the end, it was a good movie. It was pretty amazing that Kevin did all those things he did. But the lessons learned in that movie were, well, the good part is, is you have to, uh, what is the good part? <laughs> the good part. I don't know. It was a pretty violent movie. I don't know. I don't know. What, what is the good part of that movie? Family. I mean, love and family and. Um, what would be your, some like, what would be your theory on what is the message of Home Alone? The message of Home Alone is that um, count your kids before you leave the house but, Make, like, see their faces because they counted from the back. Oh, yes, yes, yes. If you have that many people you're traveling with, you have to cross your T's, dot your I's, make sure that everyone's there. And don't leave your youngest child at home. And um, if you <laughs> do, then child. don't you have any family members or any friends that can go to the house and check on it besides the police? I mean, that was a little odd, too. Yeah, it's all far-fetched. It's so Dad, far-fetched. I'd love to get your take on Mom's summary of the movie on a scale of 1 I'm, to 10. I'm very disappointed. What would you give that I'm summary? disappointed in my summary because it was really off. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, she, she covered certain parts of it in great detail, but missed a, a lot of other parts. What would that be? Um, my, my favorite part, to be honest with you, was, uh, and I'm going to get emotional. Oh, Mike. So, so sweet. sweet. Love you, Daddy. Oh. It's when the old man got together with his son. Oh. And they reunited after he son wouldn't talk to him for many, many years. And he got a chance to see his granddaughter. Oh. And Kevin peeked out the window and saw them reunited. Oh. That was my favorite part. 
Sorry. I love you. No, uh, don't ever be sorry, Dad. That's so beautiful. That was so beautiful, Mike. It wow. Really was. So beautiful. We love you so much. Oh, so beautiful. But the other part is just, you know, Kevin realized how much he loved his family, even though they gave him grief and aggravation. When they all got back together, it was very joyous and chaotic, but uh, that was sort of how our family gatherings always were over the years. And But they were always fun, and it was just great to be with people. And you appreciate it more during a pandemic when we don't have that opportunity to all be together. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well said, Dad. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. My favorite part was the turtle. Um, no, you're so right, dad. And I think that's, it's amazing that you brought that up because that brings me to my next point, which is that so many people aren't with their family right now, or they're alone and displaced and scared. And a lot of people are going through financial struggle and emotional struggle and mental struggle and physical people are struggling with their health. So I want to talk about how do you find joy and hope during this time that has been so dark? for so many different reasons. How are you two working on cultivating joy and what's your advice to other people on how to do the same in a holiday season that really looks different? Well, I always feel that sometimes you have to sacrifice and reflect on on things to really enjoy what's important to you. And right now, I feel if we can just uh, patiently wait for that opportunity to finally uh, get past this pandemic, I think the joy that's going to come out of the other end is going to be amplified tenfold because we've really been deprived of it. We see reminders of it all the time with, uh, you know, items that have been, you know, filmed and videoed before the pandemic began. And now you realize that the normal times are really pretty joyous times. Mm. And as much as we, have tried to get by with Zoom and other ways of uh, communicating and connecting. It's just not the same as uh, the human contact. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I miss people so much. I really miss people. How about for you, Mom? Well, I think that was very well said, Mike. It was beautiful. I have to ditto that. And <laughs> um, I don't know if I have very much more to say. But it is, I have to say, it is. it is sad. I woke up this morning feeling sad just about everything. And... Normally, we get together with everyone on Christmas Day, and we're not going to be doing that this year. I think I said it on the show last week, but I you know, took a COVID test, then left LA and came here quarantined in isolation for 14 days. And now we're very grateful that we can be together for at least the next few weeks, maybe the next month or two. It's so special Such to have- Such a blessing. It is. It's so special. I'm so grateful and so thankful- and so happy that you're home and the three of us can be together. It's, you know, means everything. And, you know, as dad stated so eloquently, that if we can take time now to do what we need, all need to do to stay healthy and safe, that, as he said, the joy will be amplified much later. Yeah. For a lot of people, this year has been kind of like a near-death experience where it's clarified a lot. You know, it's made you realize what you took for granted, what you haven't done that you really want to do, what you've been doing that you absolutely need to stop doing. What has been your greatest takeaway of the pandemic end of 2020? And what's something that you're hopeful about for post-pandemic life? Dad, why don't you start? Well... You add the uh, tremendous amount of uh, divisiveness that took place because of different sets of information that were taking place uh, regarding the pandemic. And I think it's made me very sad that we can't all be on the same page and work from the same set of facts so that we can, you know, as a nation and as a collective group of people, come to a better outcome. I think we had a lot of needless loss of life because of people really working off of uh, bad information and did not let science be the uh, the overriding. We had uh, bad leadership. Yeah, that's certainly true. And it's unfortunate that that leadership provided misinformation, which made people make uh, bad decisions. So, But I'm very hopeful that uh, 
you know, we're going to get through this and uh, get to a better place in 2021. And I think there's going to be just a lot of, as I said, joy in being able to interact again more freely. And hopefully we can come together and get on the same page on more and more things and find find that middle ground so that we can all move forward together. And did it clarify anything for you? Like, was there anything that you realized like, oh, I've been doing this and I don't need to do that anymore. I can do something to be more like myself. Well, starting on the work front, obviously clarified, I can operate with my blue jeans and sweatshirt on and do things from the phone and Zoom meeting. My my wife and daughter have been telling me for a long time I can take more time visiting uh, you in California and still... You know, be productive, and I realize how true that is now. I, I started realizing that this year when we visited you in California before the pandemic, and the pandemic has just uh, amplified that realization, which will make the next uh, few years as I slow down from work and enjoy life more, that much uh, more able to uh, do both and not have to spend as much time getting in the car. And, uh, you know, yeah, you can have it all, baby. How about you, mom? I think that it makes you realize how important your family, your friends are, your neighbors, you know, all the people you love and admire, how important they are, how thankful you are for them. And it really does simplify what the most important thing is in life is. And those are the people that are in your life, the people that you love, and the health and safety of those people. Those are the things that truly matter. So basically I have, I honestly have cooked more in the past year than I have cooked in the past 30 years. And that's been nice because we've had so many family meals together. Like the one thing I will say is when I was little, we kind of used to like divide and conquer. It was like just every man for himself. Like we would just go in the fridge and like find what we could, or you'd get a takeout and we'd go in the other room. Like we didn't, we ate together sometimes, but it was never like a ritual. Most nights now we eat meals together and that's such a cool thing that I don't know if we ever would have taken the time to do had it not been for this time period. Yes. So that's been a um, positive takeaway. Yeah, definitely. The other thing is that I don't think uh, when you bring an adult child home, you would ever have that opportunity in normal circumstances, particularly if your child is living geographically in a different location than you. So we've had a, a tremendous amount of quality time if you add up 2020, we had probably as much time together as a a group, the three of us, more so than uh, we've had since uh, you moved out to California. I think we have more time together in the past few years than we have since I was a baby. Because even when I was a kid, I was still in school several hours a day. I mean, we've been together for like about half of the year, all day, every day. I mean, I haven't really seen anyone else besides the two of you and a couple of friends that I would see social distance outside. And I have to say, I totally agree with that. I, I mean, I, I, that's probably the most, that's the best part for me. This is the best part is being able to, for the three of us to spend so much time together. It's been just a beautiful thing because it's something that, you know, even though there's so many awful things happening in the world right now, but one positive thing is to be able to spend time together. That is precious time that we would not, have had. I'm so grateful for it. That's what it's really clarified for me is I want to, I don't want this to end after the pandemic is over. I want to spend as much time as I possibly can with the two of you. And my career is important, but it's not everything. If I can't spend time with my parents and if I can't, you know, make it a priority for my personal relationships, like my friendships and also like finding love and having a baby at some point, like none of the other stuff really matters. And so that's what it clarified for me is I've been gunning all in one direction and it's time to bring things more toward the center because if you're never allowing yourself to experience the lifey parts of life, where are you creating from? If you're not prioritizing your relationships, what do you have to inspire you to make anything? Nothing. We have to be humans first. Humans first. And then our creativity is an offshoot of our humanity. But we need to make our humanity, our spirituality, our relationships, our love, the guiding force. And then the creativity will just naturally flow out. So thank you both so much for being here. I love you with all my heart. You're my favorite people on earth. I am so blessed and so grateful that God allowed me to be your child. 
And um, I thought, oh, Dad has one thing he wants to yeah, say. I, I would just like to, uh, <laughs> since I didn't get a chance to do my favorite movie. Oh, sorry, Dad. My favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life with uh, James Stewart and Donna Reed. I honestly feel that the great message there, I'll, I'll cut all the, the parts of the, <laughs> the plot, summary. is that each and every one of us uh, matter. Each and every one of us produce value for other people in our lives. And I just think we reflect on that now more than ever. And, uh, you know, the two of you are the most important people in my life. Oh, you're the most important people in my life, too. And you two are the most important people in my life, too. And, and you listening, what my dad said is so true. I know it's really dark right now and it's really, really hard. But you matter. Your voice matters. Who you are matters. Outside of anything else, who you are matters. And you are here for a reason. And I love you. And just know it's going to get better. I know it's really, really hard right now, but I promise you it's going to get better. I promise. And I'm here for you. I believe in you. My parents believe in you and they love you. They're the parents of this show. They're here to be the protectors of the realm and to protect you too. And we're sending love to all. We're sending love to everybody. Dad, go ahead. We love you all and you all matter. And it's very important that uh, you reflect on the value that you provide others and uh the, your love is much appreciated by the people that are close to you. And who you are is how you love, you know? That's how we'll be remembered is how we love. And I'm just so blessed that you two love me. So if 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 you'd bl- oblige me, I'd love to wrap it out with a Christmas carol for the listeners. Okay. What's your favorite Christmas song? Well, Silent Night's always one of the classics. I was thinking of Silent Night. Do you feel good about that? Sure. Silent Night is good. What were you going to say, Mom? I was going to say that song. Go in front of the mic. <laughs> uh, the one that the grown-up Christmas list. No, well, that, I like I love that one, and I love the one. What What's the other one that, uh, that it's it's called the Christmas song? Oh, Holy Night. Um, no, it's called the Christmas song. It's chestnuts roasting on an open fire. That's called the Christmas song. That one, yeah. Well, but I, I but, don't know that one as well. I know yeah. Silent Night. Let's do okay. Silent Night. Ready? Silent Night. Holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly Beautiful. Thank you so much, parents. I love you with all my heart. And everybody have a beautiful holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy whatever you celebrate. And I'm just happy that you exist. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody. And let's say it together. We We believe believe in you. you. Have a beautiful day. I love you.